And a warm-hearted good morning. Welcome to yet another edition of Brumpunt. Our topic for discussion this morning, the biblical difference between caring and interfering. Let's start with the dictionary's definition of meddling or interfering. The dictionary says, and I quote, to interest oneself in what is not one's concern, interfere without right or propriety. The caring's definition, on the other hand, says feeling or showing concern or kindness to others, a kind, caring person. And I think the definition pretty much speaks for itself. What does God's word say? Proverbs 26 and verse 17. Whoever meddles or interferes in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Now, most people who interfere in the lives of others says that they're doing it to protect someone else from the sin of another. These, let's call it reasons for interference, can be infidelity, money issues, or even as simple as just not liking somebody. No matter what the issue may be, we have to allow God to mend relationships, to restore finances, or even to soften our hearts towards another person. Our meddling in the situation because we see a sin involved will not help anybody because we are sinners ourselves. We all have made mistakes. So when we sit in the chair of judgment and meddling or interfering, it's really just being a hypocrite. Because we all sinners, says the Bible, and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. Most people who are guilty of what is called being a busybody claims that they are interfering in the business of others because they care. If they really cared, they would have been on their knees and praying out of concern, not pointing fingers in judgment. If we see somebody doing that we think is wrong, always remember there's a difference between meddling and biblical correction. If we see a friend who has been hurt by another person, then ask if you can help. Don't assume the role of a mediator unless asked, and then make sure you are guided by biblical principles. It's good to care, but even with caring, one should not go overboard. That person should feel that they are loved and not alone, and that people want to help, but one should not cross the line. To care means you want to help a person that you have compassion for. You want to do something to make them believe in themselves. As the other person said, you want to bring out the best in them, or if they are down, you want to raise them up emotionally to show them you are not alone. So someone who cares should say, here I am, I care, and how can I help you? If you need me, please phone me. If you want to talk about anything, remember, I care about you. To interfere is just to be nosy or want to impose your own ideas and your own will on somebody else. That means you tell another person what they should think or what they should do and that you believe that is the right thing. Well, that's arrogance and interference in someone else's life. That is disrespectful. The first thing, caring, that's friendship and that's precious. Interfering people just meddle and really don't care that there are nosy people who have to interfere to try and impose their rules and their opinions or ideas on someone else. That's absolutely undignified. You might even say a bad thing. 
We've all been heard at one point or another by somebody who, to put it quite bluntly, is putting their nose where it doesn't belong. Well, stay tuned this morning as Brumpend look at the biblical difference between caring and interfering. Well, all the way from the Western Cape uh, to share his heart and mind with us, uh, Professor Dion Foster, I've got him online. Dion, for those who haven't met you, just in a nutshell, your background bio, please. Yes, thanks, Bainan. Hi to our listeners. I'm a professor of systematic theology and ethics at the University of Stellenbosch, but that doesn't really matter. What matters is that I love the Lord and am loved by the Lord, and uh, yeah, live in Cape Town. Dion, thank you so much for your willingness to chat to us. Can I start by asking you, in your understanding, what's a biblical difference between interfering, meddling, and caring? What would you say? Well, I think, you know, there's a, there's a tension that we have to hold here, Vainant, between meddling and caring. And I think, um, you know, the, the impulse behind wanting to be involved is a very important thing. If we really care for someone and we can see that they're going to do something which will be really harmful for them. You know, if a parent sees a child who's about to drink poison, you cannot help but get involved. I mean, that is an act of caring to say, I'm going to help you not to do this. Um, and, and that, I think, is where the tension lies, you know, particularly when it comes to, to us getting involved in the lives of, of other sisters and brothers who themselves might be mature, uh, might be persons of faith, and uh, how we see things and where we think we should be involved. There's a little bit of a tension there. So the one thing I do want to say is, Vainant, it's very clear throughout the scriptures that Christians bear responsibility not only for themselves, but also for others. So there has to be some point, there has to be somewhere where we say, okay, if this person is doing something which is going to dishonor God, it's going to destroy the image of God in them, it's going to bring hurt or shame to them or others, we should be able to engage it in some way. The problem is, however, that I think sometimes we overstep those bounds. Uh, we, we forget that that person bears responsibility for their life, that that person is the one who's going to have to answer for God. And we somehow want to take control. We, we want to exercise power and authority. And I think that's often where things go very, very wrong. So, Dion, would the biblical correction also pass as, as caring for one? I'm thinking of Matthew 18, but would that also pass as caring or is that interfering and meddling? So Matthew 18 is a wonderful example um, of the ways in which Christians should deal with one another. Notice what, what happens there. If you read from verse 15 onwards, you see the very first thing that happens is that Matthew says to the members of the Messian community, and we, we can guess that there must have been some conflict there. Some people were unhappy with one another. Maybe there was some sin in, in the community. And the very first thing that Matthew says is, if you want to do this in a Christ-like manner, Go to the brother or sister individually. So do it in a way which is private, which is not going to shame them, which is not going to put them in, in, in the mode of having to publicly defend themselves. Go to them and say, listen, this thing that you're engaged in, this is not a good thing. This is, is harmful. It's, it's an affront to God. If that sister and brother then turns and says, okay, I, I hear you and uh, I, I'm looking for help and I'd like to change it, then Matthew tells us we've won that person. If for any reason, Matthew says, they don't listen to you, then you do have the right under the authority of the church. You do have the right. Now, this is the interesting thing. You do have the right to say to someone who's 
more senior than yourself, someone who's more mature, can you help me to figure out how to go back to this person? Because they wouldn't just listen to me. So notice that's the second step. We, we've often interpreted that, that we've got to go and lay a charge against them, you know, with the elders or lay a charge against them in the church. That's not what Matthew means at all. What Matthew is saying is find someone else who, who loves Christ, who displays the fruit of the Spirit, and say to them, how do I go and speak to this person? The third thing that we see there, Vainant, is if we find that after that the person doesn't change, the Bible says you have to wipe your feet off. You have to leave them. You have to say, okay, I've warned you. I've done everything that I can to lovingly bring you back to the correct path, but then I have to leave you to your decision. And I think that's an important thing. Sometimes people will, will not recognize where their responsibility ends and the responsibility of the other person begins. Now, listening to you, uh, you know, the third thing that you've mentioned, uh, to walk away, wipe the dust off your shoes, uh, so to speak, it's a different story altogether when it's immediate uh, family, uh, when it becomes more personal. Uh, f- by example, by virtue of an example, my son or my daughter, how to raise your grandkids, uh, can I get involved there? How do I help there? When can I get involved there? <laughs> so that's a very a very thorny one there. And you're absolutely right. I mean, so the first thing we have to say is remember that throughout the scriptures, we have this very clear notion, again, that we belong to one another. We, we are members of the body of Christ, members of God's family. And if we see something or recognize something which is is not godly, particularly when it involves those who cannot yet make decisions for themselves, we do have a responsibility to engage. But the question should always be, this should be the question, in what way are we engaging and for what reason are we doing it? So it is responsible, I think, you know, a grandparent should be able to approach their child and say, I'm feeling a little bit concerned about this or that or what you're allowing here or doing there. The responsibility has to remain the parents. You can't usurp their responsibility. God hasn't given you that right. God hasn't made you the parent of that child unless something happens and the parent goes missing or whatever. You know, God has given that child a parent. You are their parent, so you need to speak to, to, to your son or daughter, but you're not your grandchild's parent. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think that's important, Vainant, is we always need to question our, our motives and our approach. You know, I, I have had experiences in my life where people have done the most unchristian things to me. They've said the most hurtful and harmful and hateful things to me in the name of Christ. And I, I just walk away saying, you know, that was not Christ-like. Jesus yeah. wouldn't say amen to that. So I think we've constantly got to check our motives. We have to check our words. We have to check our actions to say, is the devil somehow getting a foothold through me to make this situation worse? That would not honor God, and it wouldn't bless that person. All right. So I want to widen the circle here. We find ourselves in quicksand. We've spoken about immediate family uh, blood's thicker than water. By the way, I believe you don't find that in Scripture. But when it's somebody at church then, uh, do I have to wait until he or she asks me for help? Well, I think in general, that's, I mean, that would obviously be the ideal situation because that means that that person is expressing an openness and a willingness to change. And of course, Vainant, we often encounter when, when sin is involved, people are either doing it unknowingly so when it gets pointed out, they feel embarrassed or defensive or hurt, yeah. or they are doing it knowingly. They're engaged in something, let's say an 
improper sexual relationship or improper financial relationship. And the thing that they're engaged in, they've justified for themselves. They're saying, well, you know, somehow I'm the exception and I can do this and my circumstances are different. So so if the person comes to you for help, that's already you, you're halfway there. Then you've got to say, Lord, be wisdom, give me grace, give me love, help me to do this thing right. But we shouldn't just wait for, for people to come to us. I think there are situations where we do need to say, okay, Lord, I can see something's not good here. By your spirit, would you give me revelation? Would you give me insight? But would you also give me grace? Would you give me restraint? Would you give me the right moment, the right words, the right approach so that this person isn't put off, so that they don't uh, suddenly find themselves on the defensive or so, so I think what we do is is as important as, as how we do it. Yeah. So if that person then says, well, don't be a busybody, mind your own business, should you walk away then? You know, I think that's a, you know, there's no, there's no clear answer to that, Reynolds. And I think that's, you know, another interesting thing about the way in which the Bible deals with, with these issues of, of dealing with brokenness and sin. We tend to think there must be a, a, a definitive answer. Uh, in ethics, we speak about that as a deontological ethic. What is right and what is wrong? But we know that in the relationship, in the kingdom of God, which is based on relationships, things are sometimes a little more messy than that. They're not yeah. quite as clear. In some situations, you will have to say, okay, I, I think my staying here is going to make this situation worse and drive this person away. So I'm going to, I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to help them. I'm going to ask God to help me to bring people across their path. If the Lord gives me an opportunity to re-engage in a way that's responsible, I'll do that, but I'm going to hold back. At other times, I think we've got to say, well, even if it should mean that this person doesn't like me or finds me offensive, uh, because I love them, because I desperately love them, I'm, I'm going to do everything that I can, but then it must be done in a loving manner. Yeah. Dion, somebody listening to this program, you and I doing this program, we can all think of somebody who, who meddled in our affairs, who interfered or who is interfering in somebody else's affairs. Uh, could it be true that meddling or interfering could be my own blind spot and that I'm not even aware of it? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I think that's, that's, that's a very true thing. And I think, you know, this is the one thing. All of us who are listening today, we're probably listening with the ear of the person who's saying, you know, how can I help others and why have others wronged me? But we might be the one who's upset someone, who's misunderstood them, who's, who's misjudged, misrecognized what a person is, is, is doing. And, and so done it. So I would say, I mean, the one very important thing for us to do, Vainan, constantly is to recognize I'm not perfect. Yeah. And, and to say, Lord, if, if there are things about me that need to change, would you give me the maturity? Would you give me the moral and spiritual strength and the courage that if someone approaches me, that I won't overreact, that I won't become emotional, uh, that I'll take it into account and then respond in a godly manner. And Lord, if I'm the person that you call, speak to my child, to my sister, my brother, uh, would you give me the way to do that that is Christ-like? So that when that situation happens, Jesus would say, that's how I would have done it. You've mentioned Matthew 18. Are you aware of any other advice, any other scriptures that the, the Bible uses to give us advice in this regard? 
Well, absolutely. So let's let's have a look at one or two. Uh, the first one, which which probably will be cited by many, is Matthew chapter seven, which says, "Do not judge, or you too will be judged." For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged yourself, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Yeah. So, so that's one way of saying, look, be very, very careful with what you are doing with the person. Now, some have said, well, that means you mustn't engage a person in this and at all. That's not what Jesus is saying here at all. He's just saying, in engagement, don't come with judgment. Don't mm-hmm. come here and write the person off. Come with the intention to restore them. Think about this. When God sends Jesus to become incarnate, to live our life, to die our death on the cross, to be resurrected. The intention of that we read in John chapter 3, 16 and 17 is not to condemn humanity, but to save them. Yeah. So, so be careful of judgment. The second one I think which is very important for us, uh, which speaks of the other side, is Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17, which says this, be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but be wise. Why? You must make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, that means, um, not only must I do that for my own life, but as a parent, I need to be thinking about my children, as a grandparent, about my grandchildren. I need to be thinking about my sisters and brothers, the members of the church, the people that I work with, because I cannot just be wise on my own and see others uh, being unwise. So, So we're going to have to say, okay, how do we live that? And living with wisdom. Godly wisdom yeah. is often run through with love. The last one I just want to uh, to mention to you is from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 30. And this is the one I want to end with. This, this gives us some right to do to engage with others, but to do it sensitively. Hebrews 3, verse 13 says, You must warn each other every day. While it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Wow. Dion, what if I'm on the receiving end of a so-called well-meaning individual, a brother, a sister, a family member? Uh, is, there, is there a godly way uh, to stop him or her from, from interfering and, and meddling? If, if I think that I'm in control of this, I got this. Is there a godly way to get him or her to stop? Look, I think the, the, the most important thing to say here is whatever we do, it must be done with, with truth and love. So, so truth in two directions. First of all, what I would suggest is if someone encounters you, clearly they're either seeing something or misrecognizing something in you. And then I would go away and say, okay, Lord, is there something here that I need to take account of? If I'm certain there's not, then what is it about the situation that may be signaling that there's a problem? Because that truth can often unlock the thing where you can go back to the person and say, listen, I think you're misunderstanding or I think you've recognized this in the wrong way. So truth is very important. Second thing that I'd also say is just as that person has approached you in love, you can also return to them in love and say, listen, I'm grateful, but I think now you're on the wrong path here. And uh, because I love you and I don't want to be separated from you, I'm going to ask you to stop right now. Because the thing that you're doing is not right, uh, you know. So I think we have every right to be able to do that. The last thing that I just want to say, Vainan, is if there is any sin in me, if there is anything in me that's not godly, yeah. and and someone addresses me on that, I want to pray every day. Lord, would you would you give me the the courage and the grace to face that for what it is, and the resources uh, to find freedom from it.
John, you've said so yourself. Uh, people had said the most terrible things to you in the name of our Savior, um, uh, so-called well-meaning people. To him or her listening to this radio broadcast now, who've been hurt by, uh, let's call it well-meaning meddlers, interferers. How do you find healing if you've been hurt? Um, can you stay in that congregation? Can you stay in that church? Uh, can you stay in that situation? How do you get out of it? Look, again, the answer to that is is many-fold, uh, The one thing that I would say is, um, you know, I, I, I have often, you know, said to, when I was a minister in the congregation, you know, people would often do well-intentioned things that were very hurtful, say things about my children, say things about, you know, my wife, which were desperately hurtful to them. And I knew they were well-intentioned, but they just didn't have a clue what yeah. they were talking about. So I would often go to the Lord and say, Lord, Thank you that people care enough. Thank you that they care enough even to do the uncomfortable thing and speak to me or speak to us. But Jesus, please give me the words to help them to see the truth and uh, and to release them, to set them free from that obligation. And please give me the, the capacity to rise above it so that so that I don't live with a woundedness. Um, because think about that, Vainant. If, if they wound you and you live with a wound, two things have happened. Two things have happened. They've wounded you. And now you've remained with that wound. And I don't think that that's Christ-like. So, so my sense would be just like every other act of forgiveness, we need to recognize that other people are as imperfect as we are. And we sometimes need to take that, that slightly higher position and say, okay, I release you. I forgive you. I'm not going to put up with it if you keep doing this because that's sinful. But, um, you know, you've done something yeah. which isn't right and I forgive you, but it ends here. John, time has caught up with us. I spoke to a brother this past week who said, man, I found myself in a hole, a black hole of depression for three days because somebody who meant well said something terrible and it was so hard. If you have to sum up our conversation, a biblical difference between caring and interfering, a biblical difference between caring and meddling, how would you sum our conversation up? How would you put it in a nutshell? I think the, 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 the absolute core of the thing comes down to, to loving action. I think the example of Jesus is, is most important here, Vainant. If you think about it, why did Jesus come? Jesus come so, came so that the other could be saved. The, the person who was in sin could be set free. That's scary. When, when you approach someone, when you love someone, when someone approaches you and you feel this is characteristic of restorative love, not judgmental uh, engagement, not hurtful words, not I told you so, but restorative love. We can say, well, God is doing something here. If it doesn't have the character of restorative love, back away. Uh, I think you may be meddling. Ever grateful to the example that Christ came to this world for and set for us so that we can never say, I did not hear, I did not know. Professor Dion Foster, thank you so much. Uh, as always, uh, we are grateful for your positive input to these programs. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us this morning, and uh, God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless.